0: All right. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Biblically Speaking, the podcast. It's been a few weeks since we've been with you. I had some allergy issues to deal with and then a family vacation. But Brian and I are rip-roaring and ready to go. And today, boy, we've got a big one, don't we, Brian? Yes,
1: we do. One that I think everybody's going to have an opinion on.
0: I can almost guarantee you everybody's going to have an opinion on this one. I mean, it's all over the news right now. How should Christians respond to the kind of information? And, And it being Pride Month, we knew this was coming, but it seems like this year, there's just somebody stepped on the accelerator. And whether it's the boycott against Anheuser-Busch, which I learned makes a lot more than just beer over the last uh, the last few weeks watching the news about them or Target or Disney or any number of these companies, it seems like we've reached this boiling point in our country where, where the right-leaning folks th- that are part of our nation are just saying enough is enough. And we're going to talk about whether or not that's a biblical principle. Should Christians be getting involved in boycotts and protests? Should we be uh, involved in some kind of cancellation culture and and things of that nature? We're really going to get knee deep into it today, or maybe even neck deep into it. This this kind of program may cost us subscribers, Brian. But uh, oh, and speaking of subscribers, we passed over six hundred subscribers last week. So we uh, we've been rocketing lately, and I'm hoping that you guys will continue to share our good message. But let's get into it. And and let's just address the elephant in the room. Here we are the early June. And once again, it's all out there. The rainbow flags, the, the transgenderism seems to be all over the place. We know that companies are suffering financially because of this. I think Target lost $15 billion in two weeks. Anheuser-Busch is down 26% of its market Disney is is in a position where they're even talking about selling off some maybe some of the theme parks from an article that I read yesterday. Of course, I don't know that for sure. It's just an article that I read, some speculation, but they're in a position where fewer and fewer people are consuming their their content and going to the theme parks because of the some of the decisions that their entertainment side of the company has made. And it's really reached a point where a lot of Christians are sharing things on the Internet and getting involved in these kinds of protests. And let's just lay out some general guidelines. What 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 do you feel about this and what are your guidelines that, you know, when it comes to talking to your family that you, uh, about these kinds of things, what are some guidelines that you think about when it comes to making decisions about coming? you know a lot of times uh you know and this is something we've dealt with many times in the past i remember it was carl's jr
1: it was uh um, a target's been one that's come up a couple of times we had us one thing is you know you 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 have to kind of balance the idea of you know um i don't want to participate in something that's evil versus the idea of am i just virtue signaling am i just you know trying to get on a bandwagon with other people and I don't want to feel left behind uh, to to be the person that's, you know, standing up. You know, I see somebody else do it, so they go, oh, I should do that too. Um, there yes. There is a distinction with the idea that first and foremost, we, sh- we shouldn't be participating with evil people. We shouldn't be lifting up evil hands. We shouldn't uh, be endorsing people. But we've got to be careful to say, to some degree, we're always going to be engaging with evil people. Um, you know, it's not as though... Yeah, uh, in the New Testament, they said, "Hey, we're not going to have anything to, to do with uh, you know any evil people in Ephesus or Jerusalem or any of these places anymore. We're not going to do business with them." You don't see a conversation like that ever in the New Testament, so it's kind of uh, it's kind of tricky here because um, certainly some people are going to say, "Oh, you know, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be doing that," and that's a uh, that's a dangerous judgment because it goes well. Well, deep into the Romans fourteen matter of you know what what how does it affect our conscience? Um, certainly, I think probably most people would understand there's no place to break people for not participating in those kind of things. Um, first and foremost, right. but then again, like I said, is it really a, a, a important idea for us to participate in you know not not being a part of these businesses, not doing these things? Um, you know, you, you could reach a lot of crazy conclusions. I'm going to quit paying taxes because the government pays for abortion, or I'm going to quit, uh, you know, uh, participating in public schools. I'm going to quit participating in—I'm not going to use the public highway system because, you know, it, it, th- there there comes a point where— you, I'm going to go cut my own roots. That's exactly right, yeah. In a, um, so it comes to a point where— It's me, machete, and two mules. That's right. That was my name at high school, machete and two mules.
0: Machete and two <laughs> mules. Uh, I like that. Is a uh, I don't know. It may give Bear Summit or a run. Yeah, look, <laughs> you said something. It. Yeah, you said something interesting. I'm going to share my screen here for a second and and let me put this up. Let me go into Olive Tree and let let you see the passage that I'm thinking about here. This is from First Corinthians chapter five verse nine. It says, "I wrote I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with immoral people of this world, or with the covetous, or the swindler, or the idolater." for then you would have to go out of the world. But actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother, if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Interesting thought there. When you think that Paul is saying, when I wrote to you about not eating with or keeping company with the immoral people, I wasn't talking about the people of this world. It almost sounds like before we start judging the outside world, before we start engaging in any kind of protest or or boycott or call to action, the first place we got to look is inwardly, and that that's consistent with how Jesus said we were supposed to judge in Matthew chapter seven, using that righteous judgment that we're supposed to inspect our own eye before we go inspecting others. And I, one of the things I want to be careful about here is, I, and I think Brian would agree with this, neither of us are trying to tell you who you can spend your money with or where you where you can shop or where you can vacation or anything like that. If something bothers your conscience, I do not want you to participate in it. But there is a difference between saying, I can't do this in good conscience and being called to action by in a lot of cases, another company that is using your quote unquote righteous indignation to further their political gains or monetary gains or something of that nature. I know that a lot of media companies that are conservative leaning, and I say that that's not a pejorative. I'm very conservative. Brian is extremely conservative. That that's I don't mean that as a pejorative, but but Conservative leaning media companies are making a lot of money off of the kind of exposure that they're getting by generating this kind of, of uh, angst. And it sort of reminds you of I, I don't know. I guess the first time I heard it would have been when uh, Barack Obama was president. And it might have, it, I might have heard it before then. And I don't know who originally said it, but it was never let a crisis go to waste. And a lot of times we have to realize that these kinds of cultural movements, the boycotts against target and 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 uh Disney or uh, uh, I don't think any Christian's got a reason to be associating with anheuser busch unless you're just a huge potato chip fan <laughs> but the uh but when you look at these things, that a lot of times these calls to action are not really about the integrity of the and you mentioned the indignation, they're more about a kind of conservative virtue signaling, just like you see a liberal virtue signaling over other things. And we need to understand that when we add our voice to that, it's not really the light of God that we're holding up. Now, how does God feel about using those kinds of actions to to further greater anger in the world or to punish the wicked so to speak
1: you know what's important to understand here is the idea that the scriptures give us a very straightforward way of how we deal with bad ideas how we deal with uh um improper thinking and that is that we engage it directly and intellectually um when we think of spiritual warfare the apostle paul talks about the idea of pulling down ideas you know pulling down strongholds of thought yes what's you're talking about. 2 yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, so in Second Corinthians, Paul is talking about spiritual warfare, and he's describing the idea that we're we're engaging in spiritual warfare at an intellectual stance. We're you know we're we're combating ideas with ideas, thinking with thinking, mob mentality. Um, and maybe that's not fair to use that term, but let's let's be honest. Whenever I'm joining a group of people, um, I'm stirred up because sometimes of an emotional response, to, even to an intellectual idea, an emotional response to it. Um, I am taking out the ability to engage, uh, in, an intellectual manner. I'm taking out the ability to, um, you know, to directly have it. I'm trying to pressure somebody into making a decision based on something other than thoughts. In other words, uh, if I'm boycotting, I'm not trying to get them to understand what's wrong with what they're thinking and what's right with, you know, the truth. I'm saying, if you guys don't change your mind, you're not going to get my business. And that's not spiritual warfare. That's carnal warfare that's uh that's the kernel warfare of man and it isn't that it's wrong but it isn't right it isn't what we're supposed to be doing you know in other words it's not it's not the battle that god designed for us to fight you know he doesn't he he, it's not the one he equipped for us to fight he equipped us to fight intellectual warfare Mm -hmm. he equipped us to fight with ideas um mob you know this this idea of joining a group of people and you know denying them business is inserting is influencing somebody with, with a with a warfare that's not uh, spiritually organized
0: or spiritually developed. Well, and I think one of the real dangers of this, if we're not careful, is that we are actually going to turn people away from sure. Christ. That we're we're hitting the points of difference where they are different from us, rather than than reaching out to them and calling to them to see the hope that's within us, so that they can be like us. And that that's one of the things that. When Peter talks about what was going to bring people to Jesus in the middle of these times of persecution in First Peter chapter 3, it says in verse 15 that we're supposed to sanctify Jesus as the Lord in our hearts, and that we're supposed to be ready to give a defense to anybody who asks us the reason why we have hope in us, and we're supposed to do that with reverence. So we're supposed to revere Jesus. And we're supposed to we're supposed to do that with awe or meekness and fear, some of your translations might say there. And I when we get into again, I'm not saying you can't you can't say, Hey, this is just a bridge too far. I'm not spending money with Target for the next month, for the next year, for the rest of my life. That's a personal decision. But when you get into these types of boycotts and these kinds of mass actions that are provoked not because you've made a reasoned decision, but because, well, this is what all the conservatives are doing, or this is what all the liberals are doing, the people that think like me are all doing this. What we are doing is emphasizing the divisions of men rather than the hope of Jesus. And it's just going to be, if we're not careful, one more thing that makes it harder to lead others to Lord. Absolutely. You know, especially because, again, all carnal warfare brings about is more carnal
1: warfare. Um, you know, it, right. all all my, well, you know, and and of course, like I said, I think, I think the huge difference of what you're describing, and you've said it several times, and I'll say it too, is it's not the idea of, you know what, I'm not going to do business. I don't feel comfortable doing business with them anymore. I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm not going to go to this place and buy right. these things anymore um, versus the I'm joining a movement where we are as a collective putting pressure on a company to do something. Well, all that's going to spur is somebody else to do the op- opposite. Now, the worst thing is though, whenever I'm a, you know, I'm a can I say I'm a vicar of Christ, I'm a representative of Jesus. Um, and and I'm both representing Jesus and representing the XYZ coalition, the people that I'm, you know, that that this XYZ coalition is warring against are gonna look at me and they're gonna say, Well, hey, is that is that Christ warring against me? Then I'm a war against Christ, you know, the that in other words, it's not yeah. easy for them to make the distinction that I've joined it, but it's not even
0: easy for me. Uh, to separate why. I mean, well, if we come to this position where it's one is all, yeah. that somebody looks at us and and I'm being stirred up in, and I have a lot of respect for the guys at the Daily Wire. I've, I've mentioned some of them before. I've also mentioned some things that they did that I didn't care as much for. But if they see me as, you know, toting the latest, you know, Matt Walsh line or Michael Moles line or Ben Shapiro line rather than, than making a conscientious decision to where if somebody asks me, hey, you shopping at Target, and I've made the decision, which I haven't, but if I've made the decision, no, I'm not going to shop at Target anymore, or I'm not going to go to Disney anymore, then one allows me to have a reasoned conversation. The other is just kind of a soundbite takedown, and one is all. So they're going to assume that if I'm out there touting the latest line, that I'm lockstep with those people in everything they say and do, and that... I must uh, that I that is in some ways a representation of Jesus and I can tell you there's nobody at the Daily Wire or the Blaze or Fox News and or any conservative media outlet that is a perfect representation of Jesus even the two people sitting here on biblically speaking who really really try to be really really good representations of Jesus are not perfect representations of Jesus And the more that we communicate with those things, the more that we engage in those behaviors, the more we are less the representatives or the ambassadors for Christ that you were just speaking about there. One of the other things that jumps out at me, and I I should probably let you make the next point, but this one's fresh in my mind, is the hypocrisy of it. I remember a couple of years ago, I I bought a, a piece of sporting equipment, and somebody asked me, "Well, where'd you buy it from?" And I mentioned the name of a particular sporting goods store, and they're like, "Oh, well, th- they support this," and and as if somehow that made me less of a Christian in their mind because I didn't realize that this particular company supported you know this this uh, I think it was abortion what was the thing. And that kind of stuck with me a little bit, and I went and did some research there, and and found that if we're going to look for for a company that is absolutely 100% perfectly aligned with Jesus, all of their all of their their social dollars spent, and that keep that mind that word social in your mind because it's going to be a big word here in just a second, but all their social dollars spent are 100% in line with Jesus. You're going to be making your own clothes <laughs> because. I can tell you, Walmart is just as bad. They're not getting the press right now, but Walmart is just as bad in supporting these social causes as Target is. And if we're not careful, we're going to end up in the place of hypocrisy. And And you mentioned Romans 14 a few minutes ago. Is the right answer to avoid those kinds of hypocritical statements that we could make if we're not careful? To to When the meat is offered to us, so to speak, we just don't ask where it came from? That, 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 was Paul's principle. Yeah. And Romans 14, first Corinthians
1: 8, eight, first Corinthians 10, uh, Paul even mentions, you know, your, if your neighbor offers you the food, don't ask where it came from, you know, because of the, uh, the risk of provoking the conscience there. And, um, you know, it's an important point that I think, I think the whole eating meat sacrificed to idols is such a profound idea because, um, you know, it, on the one hand, you can see why a lot of people would be up in arms to say, you can't eat meat sacrificed to idols. And on the other hand, Paul's saying, you know, it's, it's just meat. you're not, you know, it's it's not as though you're really in spiritual, you know, um, communion with these things, um, you know, it's, and it's important to understand that, as you said, if if I held that standard to be the absolute standard, I couldn't go anywhere. Um, you know, I, I remember, mm-hmm. you know, for a while people said, oh, you can't go to XYZ um, grocery store because it's owned by the
0: Mormon church. And it really, it wasn't even true necessarily, but it, well, you can pretty much let out any hospital. Yeah, right. right.
1: And that's funny you say that because I I've, I've made that exact point to say you know uh, you know somebody says I don't go to this place because they have their their uh, church endorses them and I said yeah as you're going to St Blank uh, uh, Hospital for your treatment you know it's a it's a Catholic charity hospital um, you know you're yeah there's just almost nothing you can do you know. Um, that you you will be tied up and not being able to do anything if you really hold to a standard that says that and and if you want to try okay but the danger is you know of course then to, and and this was really the Romans 14 first Corinthians 8 issue is you really can't tell other people the same thing you know you can't tell people who to vote right. for you can't tell people what to buy um because and because that's a that's an improper discernment of
0: that liberty right Oh, and thank you for correcting me because I said Romans fourteen, and I meant First Corinthians ten, and 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 you you caught that. But there are similar passages that that this idea of the way that we exercise liberty, it, the, we exercise liberty the way Jesus exercised His liberty, which is with self control and moderation and in deference to the needs of the people around us. And if you're looking at at Paul in particular, it was to the needs of the people around him who needed to be won over to Christ. That was how he used his liberty. that, that he he specifically rather than um, rather than using his liberty in such a way that he, he I have the right in Christ to do this. He said in First Corinthians nine verse 19, you know what? Let me put this on the screen too. But first Corinthians nine and verse 19, he says, "For though I am free of all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more." To the Jews I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews to those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became as weak that I might win the weak. And I have become all things to all men so that I might by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel. So that I may become a fellow partaker of it. This sort of reminds me, going back to a few years ago, and boy, if we don't lose subscribers over this, this is truly a blessing. But it reminds me sort of of the mask wearing thing, where it became more about the political liberty or the political mandate in our country than it really did the good or the uh, the good of the people around me or the needs of my brethren. That that. Sometimes we needed to be looser about things. Sometimes because our brethren were were had difficulty with that. We needed to be stricter about things. And it really came down to an individual knowing the people around him rather than moving in one specific direction. And, you know, if Paul had been alive in that time, there might have been brethren that he absolutely just didn't wear masks around them because it was a stumbling block. And at other times there would have been times when he absolutely masked up around people because to not wear one would have been a stumbling block. And What gets lost in this, and I think you were just alluding to this, is that we become the center as opposed to what offends me becomes my criteria for how I act in the world as opposed to how do I best shine as someone who can bring others to Jesus. And that's really where these boycotts, I think, run afoul for the Christian. And again, I'm not saying you don't have the liberty to do these things, but... Is it the right way of using that? You know, one important
1: idea here too. Um, let's let's talk about masks for a second. And like I said, if if we can't get in trouble with this, then we're just not trying hard enough. Whatever your position was on 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 wearing a mask, you got that position because of somebody else. Um, yeah. Nobody decided uh, completely one hundred percent on their own. I'm going to wear a mask, or I'm going to be against wearing a mask. It was one hundred percent a decision you made because of information you got from somebody else. Um, and, and that's the point of, of the whole conversation about fo- following the mob is that we're taking our information from somebody else. Now that's not bad because we have to, you know, you, you have to make decisions based on, you know, uh, everybody else. But the point is, you also have to acknowledge you're making that decision based on somebody else and that other people are doing the same thing. This particularly when it's your breath, you know, particularly when it's the people that you have that spiritual relationship with and, you know. Th- th- you know, there's not a Bible verse that says, you, thou shalt wear a mask, thou shalt not wear a mask, you know, and no matter what people want to say about that, there's nothing, there's no spiritual discernment in that at all. And the the idea is, the same is true about if I'm going to shop at Walmart, or if I'm going to shop at uh, uh, Lowe's, or, you know, I'm, th- I'm just to every business I can think of. You know, that's not, that is uh, not something that I'm going to decide based on, you know, thou shalt, thou shalt not that you know i might just decide you know i think it's better right. for me not to or you know i don't think it matters um but the greatest point the most important point is you know whenever i'm standing up and i'm going to say you know this is my stance on that um you know i'm i'm bringing christ with me does he want to be there does jesus want to be involved in this boycott that's a brilliant point
0: yeah well, and doesn't that get back to what we saw in Matthew? I mean, particularly when you're talking about matters of authority, but Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus said if a man strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also, if he strikes you on the right cheek, give him the left one. that that isn't just about being peaceful in in small moments in your daily life. It's when society's knocking you back and and it I don't think it's any any coincidence that it, ha- it comes alongside the idea of if somebody can compel you to go one mile with him, go with him two, that how we respond in those moments where we have the opportunity to to sue for war, but we choose to make peace, those can be the loudest moments that we speak, right? Yeah. I mean, and that is ultimately so important. And and I, I hope for our audience that maybe that's a moment of catharsis and a clarity. And again, and I, I want to say this, and I'm going to say this probably five more times, and it's not because I don't believe in the message. It's because I don't want to be misunderstood. If you personally cannot do it, do not offend your conscience. Choose not to shop at Target. Great. Choose not to buy from a few years ago. It was Levi's and Coca-Cola. Choose, choose not to buy from those companies. Great. Choose not to go to a baseball game in the month of June. Great, or for the rest of your life. But don't make it a point of faith for others. And don't join in a call for anger. Now, one of the things that, and I mentioned that that social was part of this. One of the things that we have to realize is that in the middle of all of this, is most of the companies that are doing these things, this is not really what they're about. That there is there is something called an an ESG score which is environmental social governance score, which is for certain, these are banks that wouldn't even talk to us, Brian, but for certain really large banks that are run by very powerful people that can lend billions of dollars to companies, they're judging in part the credit worthiness of giving that company a loan based on their environmental policies, based on how vocal they are about social things and how many, how many people they've appointed to the board of directors of that company that are deeply, deeply concerned about environmental and social issues. That's the reason why we're seeing this spread. It's not an organic lurching of our country. If it were so, you wouldn't see, if that were the case, you wouldn't see Disney and Target and, and Anheuser-Busch and all of these other companies that are doing this going down the tubes right now. And it seems like some of them may not ever come back. That I was actually reading an article yesterday saying the Anheuser-Busch Company, which, again, doesn't bother me one way or the other because it's a their company, but it may never come back from this. It may never regain its stature in the eyes of the public after this and could potentially cease to exist if this continues. And one of the things that we have to realize is that the love of money really is the root of every kind of evil and in a lot of ways and i don't want to get all conspiratorial about this but this is the kind of event that they would have seen in the first century that that john in his revelation would have likened to taking the mark of the beast that in order for you to buy and sell you've got to give yourself over to some kind of evil and therefore and then you'll be able to buy and sell you know men have always done that I mean, one of the things—what do what you look? Yeah, I was. Well, I was thinking—you know—right uh, here is the mark of the beast. I had that Roman coin there. So, <laughs> but you think—you think about that, and you think about—and—and and I'm not saying this is a literal fulfillment of Revelation, but I'm just saying it's the same kind of principle, right? That—that any—that evil will always try to find a way to drive to separate and differentiate itself from good and then make it painful to do good. And we have to realize that when we're protesting these companies or we're protesting these people, and you know, you and I have both seen people being shouted at going into Disneyland and things like that by by guys on megaphones who were screaming that you're going to hell and all of these things that are so self-righteous as they're doing that. And I actually questioned one of them one time going, how many people are you converting doing this? Because you're really not a very good representation of Jesus. Trust me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that one of the things, one of the ways the devil tricks us into participating in that that kind of of behavior, is that it feels like we're doing good, but what we're really doing is angry. Yeah, it's um one of the things that I'm thinking about here. And
1: uh, remember, the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. That really is what it, it is. is. That's exactly yes. What thinking, um, that really is what it is. That a lot of times we're not reacting to this over. Um, well, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't participate because that's the, the uh, you know I, I we're we're angry, you know. Um, and it's and mm-hmm. I, I I can appreciate the idea that sometimes we make Christ's values, you know. We we become in sync with that, so we take it personally when Christ is offended. But does Christ is he really bothered by that? You know, is he? You know, um, I have to think of a company like you know Anheuser Busch. Um, did it bother you more that they have a transgender guy or that they sell alcohol? Um, because, you know, one of those things is their core business and is something that the Bible speaks a lot about, you know, in a negative sense. Um, yeah. why, what would change our attitude about what bothered us about this to make it bother us more? It should have bothered us a lot already. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, yeah. uh, we're allowing people to manipulate our emotions. Um, we haven't used the word politics yet, but it's all politics. I mean, politics is the same thing where. Our our feelings are manipulated to to create a power base. We're being used um, by people that want us to think that they're like minded. They're really not, but you know we may sometimes have have a you know coinciding moment with them. But we're not really like minded.
0: Um, and that the point is is that we're being well, used- and I like the word propaganda. Yeah, I, I like the word propaganda, which is sort of the root of of political talk. That it is manipulation, and, and that's. Ab- understanding that is key to all of this that you're being manipulated by somebody and and one of the manipulations and you brought this up this is something that we've talked about many, many times before, not within the context of the show, but just our private conversations is how often Christians get caught up in repeating things that are not true that they've that they've been given from political sources mm-hmm, right, right. And, and the perfect the perfect example of this and Somebody told me that that it actually was true, but I haven't been able to to substantiate that with any kind of article. Was Target had this swimsuit that the influencers were going around, and it was it was wider in certain areas to cover male parts, even though it was a woman's swimsuit. I don't want to say any more than that because it's getting real close to vulgar. But the uh, you know we're trying to keep this a family program. But <laughs> the the idea there was that it, the influencers were showing or were representing, they didn't come right out and say it, but they were representing that as a item that was made for children. And that was a bunch, that was a big part of the indignation. Come to find out that might not have been true. That might have been actually a blatant falsehood. But Christians, uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ, were just out there gobbling that up and, and repeating that and sharing it and putting it all over the internet. What are the consequences of that? What what happens when we go about repeating something that we haven't verified or that maybe we even know to be false, but it supports the ideal that we—and I loved how you talked about Anheuser-Busch and, you know, why are we mad about this when their whole business model has been sort of antithetical to, to what Christians should be involved in or the antithesis of what Christians should be involved in? that what happens when we're out there promoting something that we know to be false or that, that at least we haven't verified to be true.
1: Yeah. You know, and, um, boy, I tell you what, um, if there's one thing we we that we 21st century Christians are going to be in trouble for, it's, uh, sharing lies. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I, years ago, I remember somebody shared something with me and it wasn't, it was a political statement. It wasn't true. And I thought, I'm going to tell them that, you know, I'm sure, surely that matters to them. And I sent them a message. They said, well, It might not be true, but it could have been true. You know, in other words, that's, you know, that was their attitude was, well, I, you know, or I wanted it to be true really is what they were thinking they were saying. Um, and what a, what a way to think. Um, but, but like I said, you know, we're caught up in this all the time and we, um, we allow things to be true in our mind that we hear every day. And, you know, there's only one truth. There's only one capital T truth, you know, John 17, 17, the word is truth. Um, everything you're hearing, everything you're being blasted with every day on the news, on uh, all these things, every story that works you up, you don't know the truth of those things. You're you're trusting somebody else, you're believing somebody else, you're taking information from somebody else, so that you're you're not really listening. You know, you're not really getting what could be true, and you're accepting it as true. Um, and that's dangerous. I mean, that's 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 the great deception that we we rail against amongst denominations. But too many of us are caught up in the same story.
0: Let me share a couple of passages here that go along with what you just said. The first one that came to mind was Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. It's, it's kind of interesting that this is how we imitate the sacrifice of Jesus in our daily lives because we can't actually you know, physically die and be raised from the dead. So here's what our death, burial, and resurrection looks like. That by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Some translations render that a reasonable service. It's It's reasonable in response to the grace that God has given you. It's more than fair that this is what God asks of you. It doesn't make it any less grace, basically. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, I want want to go down because he's going to talk about some important points in the way that we live and how Christians conduct themselves. But I, I, one of the things that he specifically talks about that this renewing of your mind uh, embodies is how we deal with anger. Verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, which there's a whole lot of haughtiness in there where we're creating divisions among people who believe in God over these kinds of political propaganda things. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Now, here's here's reacting to the world. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. So not even just our brethren. To anyone, don't give evil in response to evil. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord." But you, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. if he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing, you will keep burning coals on his head and do not become do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what is good. That's a really big thought there. He just said, "Here's the way I want you to live. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to let God take care of the things that make you angry. And one of the reasons why is we are really, really bad at vengeance. We tend to to repay more than the evil that was done against us. But God knows exactly how to measure out vengeance. He has his vengeance planned. He has his judgment planned. He doesn't need us to execute his judgment against people or companies or nations here. He needs us to live at peace with all men. So that we can be representations of not repaying evil for evil.
1: Yeah, you know what? A, what an important idea. Where God tells us time and time again. I was thinking of Second Peter chapter two. God knows how to bring the unrighteous to justice and to deliver the righteous. Um, that, in fact, what's neat about that chapter is it's just a come on. God knows how to handle this. God knows how to handle a company like this. You know. Um, One thing I often say, too, is that we just don't know what the hand of God is in things. You think of the Old Testament and the Israelites and how indignant they were to Nebuchadnezzar. Um, You know, Here's this pagan world conqueror, and all he represents is paganism, and and that's all they saw. And God says, hey, this guy is actually my sword. I am using him. I I raised him up, and I'm using him to accomplish my purpose. Um, One thing we don't always appreciate is we just don't know what the hand of God is in the circumstances around us. We don't know. What God is bringing about, and God, God's all rule has always been: you mind your business, you know, which is being righteous, being holy, living a life that's separate from the world, you know, uh, you know, pure and undefiled religion. You know, you you mind your business; I'll take care of the world. And we get caught up in a sense, and it's a power play. We get caught up in this sense of well, I can have a little more power if I'm with a mob. But of course, what mm-hmm. what we want to appreciate is that the Bible explicitly says mobs are bad um the bible always says that oh, yeah. we, we you and i were talking before the show about some of the bible verses about mobs, um and we have these statements in the scripture that say mobs are always bad well what's a mob it's a group of people trying to get something done uh by the power of the weight of their opinion you know by
0: the by the can you think of an example of the Bible of a mob that did something? Uh,
1: no, uh, no. Uh, you know, it's it's fascinating to say that. You <laughs> right. um, and let's let's be honest to say, in the Bible, mobs are responsible for the worst act in human history. You know, the the uh, the crucifixion of Jesus was yeah. a mob event by people that were stirred up that didn't necessarily hate Jesus, but they were stirred up and manipulated to come out of that. And and what every listener needs to think about is the idea that they weren't different than us. It wasn't as though they were really bad and we're really good. So we wouldn't be caught up in the same anyone can be manipulated in a mob. When, when you join that group and you, you allow group think to drive your thinking, you are that mob. You, you're caught up in that, you know, and, and it's just such a dangerous thing because, you know, all the time people want to say, yeah, well, that would happen to them. It wouldn't happen to me. It is happening to you. It is, you know, when, when we're caught up in the mob mentality, um, we're letting somebody else use us for their power, and that's never a good thing.
0: That's a great point. That when you stop and think about it, can you, you know what the biggest mob of all time was? or uh,
1: Size-wise? Um, well, I, the one in Ephesus comes to mind with Paul. Is that maybe the one you're thinking of?
0: No, I'm thinking a little further back in history. Um Sodom and Gomorrah. I'll give you a hint. As far as we know, there were only four people that stood against this mob. Um. Uh. How about numbers thirteen?
1: Oh, nice, uh, Israel. Uh, uh, I had a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch. have come to my mind, but yes, millions that's great great people, yeah, millions of people, right? Yeah, and there's. Uh, the, yeah, Persuaded by... there's Joshua and Caleb, especially you yeah. know, uh, and and mob wants to kill Joshua and Caleb. That's right. That's a great example. I
0: didn't even think of that one. Yeah, yeah. they want to kill Moses yeah, and Aaron. That's what right. time yeah. it's over with. And so you have a huge mob of people that are stirred up by 10 people who are terrified. And one of the things that I was thinking about as you were making that point about the mob that killed Jesus is a lot of times the way that we justify this, and and I was reading another article on this just the other day about how a number of these companies are responding that they're that they've stopped the pride logos this year. I noticed that a piece of software that I use uh, for editing text, every year in June switches their colors, and, and on Facebook and and Twitter, and they didn't do that this year. MLB switched back, Xbox switched back. Um, a lot of the the car companies didn't put up the the uh, the Pride logo this month because of the backlash, and and, and understandably so. That, that this backlash is stemming from, and we need to be be honest about this: that that a lot of the transgender movement is targeting children right now. That there is no denial about that that there's my wife showed me a video just yesterday of some some school kids that were going to school in Canada and they had the it was pride day and it was all decked out with rainbows and it was a party in the hallway and the teachers were like oh this is so great you're gonna have so much fun today and and there is an agenda that targets children there absolutely is not saying that that they want every child to identify as transgender but the acceptance of this is being targeted at children for sure absolutely 100%. And that is something that individually that grieves me. It grieves me it's one of the reasons why Lauren and I homeschool that but it is not it, it that is not us saying that every teacher out there is bad. In fact we worship with several teachers that are good friends of ours or a few teachers that are good friends of ours that but a lot of times, the the conclusion we come to is that the ends justify the means. Look, we got this this company to capitulate that they changed their logo back. Target moved all the merchandise to the back of the store, which apparently that's still not enough for for some people, and the the boycott continues. You know, Disney is pulling these movies. They're not, they've decided not to make these movies with these themes that are that were coming up, and they've made enough of them recently to where I think it's going to be a long time before people it, it trust them again with entertainment. But looking at these things, that attitude that we we can fall into of the ends justify the means, whether it's – and you mentioned a a friend who shared something with you politically that wasn't true and you tried to correct that and and they said, well, it could have been true. It really is a way of saying, look, I know this is wrong, but – I'm fighting a greater evil, and that reminded me of another verse, and this is a verse that you and I have talked about several times when it comes to these kinds of ideas just in our private conversations, but it is Philippians chapter 4, where Paul says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if it can be spoken of well, or repute, if, if it's got a good reputation, if there's any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So we're supposed to be an imitator. This is kind of one of the pseudo passages where Paul says imitate me. I mean, he says that in other places, but but basically look at the example that I've set for you and follow that example. That ought to be the end to a to mass boycotts, to, to less-than-true representations of things that because it doesn't pass that test, and it's certainly not the way that Paul behaved in his culture. And oftentimes we allow our ethos as Western Americans, as the Western mentality, particularly the American mentality of, I have liberty, I have right, I can do this, we allow that ethos to replace this idea of of the things that we see and learn and heard paul from paul those ought to be the things that we practice but i want i left out the last part of the verse for a reason that last part of the verse says and the god of peace will be with you if we're not practicing these things where's god
1: yeah and and he's not there he's he's in no way reflected he's in no way seen um and um You know, and that's really it. I I really like what you're saying here because it's the idea that you know we actually think. I probably heard it. That's right. Uh, We actually think we're representing God by being indignant and throwing ourselves up to harm. When God says, "Hey, this is actually how you represent
0: me. This is really the mindset you need to have." Right. So. Well, and I think that's one of the one of the the things that we need to be careful about in these divisive spheres like Twitter or Facebook or YouTube is that. We want to be good representation, representatives of God. And again, I'm not telling you you cannot spend your money at Dick Sporting Goods or Target or any of these places. I'm not telling you that you can't withhold your money from those. What we're talking about here is mass action. And that kind of mass action where people are calling for boycotts and protests, you're not going to affect change there you're not going to lead others to Christ. And and oftentimes what it keeps us from doing is doing the hard work of sitting down. And this is where you started over in 2 Corinthians 10 of doing the hard work of sitting down and having hard conversations with people. When somebody says, well, why aren't, why don't you go to Disney anymore if that's your thing? Well, I don't go because of this. Well, why? It, it just hurts my conscience too much. Well, what does that even mean? Well, here's what that means. I believe I've got a hope or target or whatever or maybe you continue to go and somebody says well why do you continue to go because it doesn't because I can separate the two but I got to tell you my faith is not defined by protest my faith is defined by imitating Jesus because I know if I imitate Jesus God is with me yeah that that's exactly right you know and um uh I often think of and I you know
1: and I've used this example before, um, where Jesus, uh, I think it only says Luke chapter 11, but Jesus is confronted about the fact that Pilate had, the Bible says mingled the blood of Galileans with their sacrifice. So only Pilate had unjustly killed somebody. And so a bunch of people ran to Jesus and said, Jesus, tell us what's, what's your opinion on this? Can you imagine reporters running up to Jesus and say, Jesus, what's your opinion? Uh, you know, on Pilate's uh, doing these things. And of course, what you're looking for is, uh, Pilate needs to be stopped. He's a terrible man. Um, we need just social justice. I mean, all the things that we talk about today, just, just imagine, you know, a police shooting or, you know, some, some injustice from the government. And Jesus says, you know, uh, if you don't repent, you're going to perish. In other words, that's not really that relevant. It's not so relevant that a company is doing these things. It's not really that relevant. What's relevant is, am I going to heaven or not? You know, that's what Jesus was really trying to, uh, get us to see and to understand uh the significance of this uh oh chapter 13 of Luke not chapter 11. um so um you know the the idea is that's what matters it, it's not that you know social justice is getting carried out uh Jesus goes on to say hey, you know remember last week when that tower fell on those guys you know were they were they bad people did this happen he says no you need to repent so you don't perish too and and Jesus just kind of Flips it over. If, if we'd around to Jesus said, Jesus, what do you think of Target uh, bringing these things out? Jesus would say, you know, if you don't repent, you're going to perish. Right. You know, I, 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 it's it doesn't matter. Target's not going to heaven or hell. They're a company. They, it, their goal is to make
0: money. You know, that's what they're going to do. Right. They're going to follow society uh, in order to make money. And that's not to say that, that Jesus is condoning that. Right. that. Right. Isn't it interesting that he always turns, the, turns that call to repentance introspectively yeah. first? Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's just the idea that it, it really is about you. You know,
1: you're, you're the thing that matters to God, not, not the company. Um, If, if we, you know, uh, sometimes brethren in Ireland talk about how strong the Catholic church is there. And, you know, the, the kids would say the hail Mary in class before school started, you know um, you know, that's, that's the thing they've had. you know, that's what they have. They have a society that has that mindset as a lot of societies do. And, you know, society, businesses just follow society. It's it's not that they're leading us into things, they're just following. And, you know, this is this is the nature of a godless society. So here's the, here's the big question. How do you fix a godless society? Um, I know the answer. Jared knows the answer. And I even think our listeners know the answer. But the irony is, we think, well, uh, boycotting. No, <laughs> that's not what fixes a godless society. The gospel is what fixes the society. I wish every person who is vocal about protesting was vocal about the gospel. I wish every person who wanted other people to know, I'm not going to shop at this business, wanted people to know about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Um, I think that Amen. if people, if we could divert this attitude of, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm offended and I'm not going to do this anymore to a, I want to share the gospel with you, uh, you would actually solve problem. You would actually change the world, you know. Yeah. You would actually do something impactful and meaningful um, that that wouldn't be a manipulation that wouldn't that would be exactly what you're equipped to do. You would you would affect real change.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that that's probably a good note for us to sort of wrap this up on, or wrap wrap on rap. that. Yeah. Yeah. To wrap. Yeah, it's a good note to wrap. Yeah. I okay. can't. My name <laughs> is Brody and I'm here to say. That real change doesn't come because I'm angry. It comes by helping others see Jesus. And I, I'm sort of reminded of when James and John wanted to rain down fire on the cities of the Samaritans that didn't want them to pass through. And Jesus told them, you don't know what spirit you're of. That our anger is never going to produce the righteousness of God, but it may as we are expressing our indignation over the sins of, well, companies can't have sins. I once wrote a book called Sins of Nations. I never published it, because, but it was kind of an interesting uh, first attempt at a, at a novel. But, you know, companies can't have sins. But when we get so angry at the sins that are perpetrated by these companies and the people that are part of them, what the devil is actually doing is keeping us from looking at our own need to repent. And... He's going to use that to great advantage. And we need to recognize that. Give me your last thoughts, buddy, and then let's bring this one to a place. Yeah, I tell you what. Um, don't follow a mob. You know, the Bible
1: tells us that repeatedly. We see that mobs do a lot of things. And a mob isn't just a bunch of people in person, it's also a bunch of people online. It's also a bunch of people. Um, there's nothing wrong with signing petitions, asking companies to change. Um, there's companies that I like that I'm not comfortable doing business with. So I don't. Um, I'd love it if they changed so that I could do business with them. I feel good about that again. You know, that's the liberty that I practice, but that's not where
0: I affect my change. I affect my change, uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think it's a beautiful point, buddy. All right. I'm your host, Jared. And for my co-host, Brian, the legend, I'm sorry, Brian Tiberius, better I'll take whatever I get. That's right. That, that's right. I, I, in the apocalypse, we're going to change. Our I appreciate this you know, when, <laughs> when, when you know, the war happens you're going to be like a what no but for me and my co-host Brian we want to thank you for being here Brian's going to be with me on the Man Up podcast we're going to record that in just a moment and uh, restarting that after some weeks off because I hadn't been able to talk or feel good enough to do a podcast because of my allergies but uh, we're getting that restarted we're going to talk about anger so we're going to it's going to sort of dovetail right out of this one so for all of us here at Biblically Speaking we want to say have a good day and God bless.